the same team, an LGBTQ sports podcast. I am your host, Daniel Trainer. How are you? What's up, guys? Thank you very much for listening, and thanks for being here. Today's episode features Xavier Colvin. Xavier is a linebacker at Butler University. His story is very inspiring. He tells the whole thing, and you'll hear me uh, multiple times just gasp at some of the details. He tells it in such an entertaining and sometimes shocking, sometimes upsetting way. Uh, But in all, you'll hear, it's a really uplifting, positive exciting story and I think it shows how far we've come in athletics in college athletics and Xavier's at the forefront of that we start talking about growing up Xavier's dad uh, Roosevelt Colvin played in the NFL for the better part of a decade won two Super Bowls with the New England Patriots we talk about what growing up with a dad in the NFL was like and then we get into Xavier's life and how he crafted his own story it's really inspiring so I'm really happy that I was able to chat with Xavier he's very funny he's very smart guy and again I I think his story proves uh not that there isn't a long way to go but but how far we've come in such a short amount of time over the past decade or so so without any further ado here it is my one-on-one chat with Butler University linebacker Xavier Colvin well thanks for doing this I I really appreciate it where uh where are you right now I am currently uh, at my desk at the uh, HRC, our rec center at school. Nice. Uh, so I'm the operations intern here, but it's the quietest place and the only place I could probably find where I could talk and not disturb other people this time of year. So I hope somebody walks in and I have to hear you interact with somebody at the front desk <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I'm in my back office. I'm in the back office. Oh, I see. I see. I see. Oh, yeah. You said you didn't say front desk. You said desk. OK, well, that's a little that's a little more manageable than I suppose. <laughs> yes, yes. Wait, yes. so are you where is it in the school year? Is it like finals now? Yeah. So this finals week has been we started finals on Monday um, and where my last final is Friday. I've had one every day this week. How's it been going? Uh, as as usual, it's been kicking my ass. Um, if you fail your final on Friday, it's not my fault. No, 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 no. I won't fail my final. My last two finals, my final Thursday and Friday, um, are both open note and open books, so I should what? be fine. Yeah. Where was that when I was in college? Yeah, uh, trust me. All the information and stuff that we got now, I don't even know if it's even... That, I mean, it helps, but it's like there's only so much you can really rummage through in the matter of an hour and a half exams. So. Yeah, I guess you got to be pretty diligent about your note-taking. If you got to yeah. know where everything is. Right, right. right and cool. I'm not that person so yeah well either am i so it wouldn't have benefited me either uh so cool let's uh let's backtrack a little bit and and get to college so i know i know a little bit about uh your childhood and growing up uh but just for the listeners and to tell me more can you tell me about your childhood and what growing up was like um so yeah so i was uh, born in lafayette indiana um to my mother um and my father um but my mother moved uh her and i to indianapolis um when i was about four um and i've lived here ever since bounced around in a couple elementary schools um and ended up um at north central high school um throughout my entire life and still to this day my parents are split um so i've had um they were never married or um or anything um but yeah. um so yeah i've, I've had to kind of deal with that a little bit but um yeah i grew up in indianapolis born uh, i tell people i was kind of born and raised here because i don't remember really being in lafayette ever yeah. um but uh yeah I've, I've grown up in indy and now i go to school in indy so i mean my childhood was kind of um the same old same old um i hung around my same friends i played football since i was in kindergarten so that was kind of my focal point oh so you got started early Oh, yeah. I, I wasn't interested in, in literally any other sport um, besides football. My mom, it took me I, I didn't play another sport until I think fourth grade. I went and played basketball in like our high school's like elementary league or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I really I never was interested in anything else but football. Football as a kindergartner sounds a little dangerous. Yes. Um, and my parents were trying to do everything they could to keep me from doing it. But it was uh, they had to decide whether they were going to let me lay around and get fat or <laughs> let me be active and go play football. And I won. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because I was just 
last night talking about the city of Indianapolis to somebody uh-huh. and saying how I think it's like the most underrated place. Because uh-huh. I used to go, I've only been there a few times, but I went to Michigan State. And okay. so I would go to Indy. I went once for the Big Ten title game in football. Uh-huh. I went once for the Big Ten tournament in basketball. And then maybe I went to two Big Ten tournaments. It, it it's the perfect city for something like that. It's like it's a yeah. big city, but has like a small town feel. I like loved it every time I was there. Yeah, I have um I have gotten to the point in my life where I'm ready to get out. Yeah, um, I, well, but I know. It, it has it has its it has its pros and cons, and I tell people all the time. Right now, as being a young bachelor, I don't want to be in Indianapolis, but um, <laughs> eventually, when I um, have a family to call my own, um, and I'm about to start, you know, raising kids or ready to like settle down in life, I would not, um, I would not hesitate to move back to Indy. I mean, it's pretty cheap cost of living, and there's sure. really schools, and so like it, ha- it definitely has its pros. But as a as a 22 year old college student, Indianapolis is very boring. Uh, <laughs> There's not way, a whole... The dating scene in Indianapolis is not good for you. Oh my God! I mean, it, you, have I nothing, say... you have nothing to compare it to. Yeah, exactly. And so that's what, like, I mean, I've had my fair share of relationships, um, but it's just kind of okay, like don't need I to just, brag. No, it's not a brag at all. Um, I mean, uh, uh, three maybe, but it's just like I, I just need I need I need different scenery. I need, I need sure. different people. I need different environments. I need different places to go and waste experience i moved around a, a bunch growing up and so i can't imagine being in the same place my entire life just thinking right. about that makes me nervous and like like I, I i don't know i mean i guess it's that thing it's like it's all you know so how can you compare it to anything else but the thought of being right. in one place your entire life is like claustrophobic to me yeah but it's like it's not even like i mean with like i mean my with my dad playing in the league and so like i mean and he never lived he never lived in indie except until i turned until i was like in seventh grade so like even like being able to travel and like seeing different things i mean obviously yeah. i was in like elementary and middle school but i was like i knew that it was different from indianapolis and so i'm just kind of like so like yeah i grew up here all my life but i've been to a lot of different places and i'm just kind of like i know that right now indianapolis is not that place i want to be okay so can you talk a little bit about your dad what's it like growing up with a dad who plays in the nfl um uh from an athletic standpoint it was a lot of pressure um you know it's just kind of um you have people that compare you to i have people that compare me to him all the time i had coaches who would call me his name by accident a lot or <laughs> sometimes on purpose um oh, good. not necessarily like in a demeaning way but they'd call me like little roosevelt yeah and sure that would frustrate me um cause i'm my own person um no matter how much I like people. I tell me I am like him, or how much people tell people tell me I look like him. Like I'm Xavier. So, um, but it was it was it's nice because it was nice at times um, because of I mean I've I'm how many people can say that they've been to three Super Bowls um, or be yeah. met people like of the likes of the, his teammates and so like there was definitely there's definitely pros and cons to it but yeah it was it was a lot of added pressure so how much are you traveling to like see your dad play are you you know are, are you going to a lot of games are you going to you know I'm, i guess if you're in india i guess they're, they're sort of all technically road games for you but how often are you going to see him play um well when i was well he's retired now um yep. but when he was playing i mean it was i mean it was probably two games a year um Depending upon maybe three, if they were coming to play the Colts, um, sure. I get the like the little extra like bonus game of them him, him already being in Indianapolis. But um, for the most part, I mean, I was going up there for Christmas break, so that would be two. I mean, that was two two playoff games in and of itself, if not three. Yeah, sure. And um, the benefit of your dad playing for a good team, right? Exactly. Um, so if you know if they were. Uh, if they were at home the two weeks or they were on the road and then at home, like I usually got to go to at least one game a year. And then, you know, when they were really successful, there were there were years where I was at three or four games because they were making it to the Super Bowl. So. So what was your relationship like with him? Were you guys close? Um, closer when I was younger. Not so much anymore. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of. Uh, grown up part thing it's that's uh, another conversation for another podcast but sure. um yeah it's we are we don't we don't talk much at this moment yeah okay so so you're in high school you're playing football at mm-hmm. what point do you realize that you're very good and that you're going to continue doing this collegiately 
Um, uh, not honestly, I, I, I didn't, wasn't on that thought process. Um, so going through high school, you know, I, my sophomore year, I, uh, I was injured. Um, um, I broke my wrist and then came back week four and then broke my collarbone in the JV game. Um, so that was out for that entire year, which is, uh, I mean, I don't know, people, are, not a lot of non-football people don't realize that like you're, if you you're playing varsity football as a freshman or sophomore, like lights up the eyes of college coaches because you're 15, 16 years yeah, old, and sure. 19 year old. So, um, I didn't get to play my sophomore year. Um, so then junior year came about and it was like, you know, I played all right. You know, I started, um, but then senior year came around and I didn't get a lot of love from coaches and stuff. You know, the the really big programs um, thought I was too small. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 5'8", 210 pounds playing linebacker. So yeah. that's essentially the size of their safeties and their DBs. And yeah. I wasn't fast enough at that moment to play uh, defensive back. So in their eyes, I was too small and I was too slow. Um, and then the the D, the Division three schools thought I was um, like I had a Division three coordinator tell me that they didn't think that I was even going to pay him any attention um, just because they figured that I would be going to play bigger. And then I didn't get the only D two school that uh, is you know that's in the vicinity of me really is any uh, is University of Indianapolis, and they didn't show me any love either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as it got towards the end of my football season, I and I had. I had the only only offers to play football I had were from two NAIO schools in Indiana, being St. Francis and Marion. Um, I didn't I didn't um, want to. Well, the only offer I had was St. Francis and a little bit of interest from Marion. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think I was going to play football, um, and so I went about my application process um, uh, as if I was just going to be a regular student. Yeah. Um, at the I got the opportunity um, to like go to a couple places and a couple programs, but nothing really just nothing felt great. Where'd you um, look? Um, I mean, they were. I went to Illinois State. Um, the the entire staff at Illinois State uh, either played with or coached uh, my father up at Purdue. Um, so mm-hmm. there was a sense of familiarity with that. Um, but they didn't end up coming off of um, an offer for me. Um, I went and visited um, a couple other Division three schools, um, and then I went to the camp at UND. And like I said, they weren't interested either. So, um, so like I said, I was just I was set and just going and just going to school. And I was like, you know, if I feel like after a year, if I miss football enough, I'll go walk on. So every school I applied to had a football team to where I could do that if I wanted to or needed to. Right. Um, but I was just pretty much done with it. Um, but then. Coach Voris, um, Coach Voris came and visited me in December, um, and you know um, I thought, and at first still I was kind of hesitant because I was I didn't know where it was coming from, and then I I got the opportunity to play in the uh, USA International Bowl game, mm-hmm. and uh, it was kind of kind of weird and kind of funny. Um, in that game, um, that whole week was I got to I got to live the best week of my life. I got to skip school and go play football. Oh, so there you great. go. Um, they, um, it was an entire week for a bunch of, bunch of guys who were going to all types of different schools. And I, um, when they first sent the roster out, everybody else was already like committed and signed and going here and going there. And I was like the only guy on the team, um, who hadn't been committed yet when they released the roster. Where Um, where was the game? Uh, it was in it was in Fort Worth um, okay. at the University of Texas um, Fort Worth I think um, and you know we played there and it was I mean you got I'm I, you know I still follow a lot of the guys on Instagram and Twitter and I mean you got safety from Oklahoma you got uh, a couple of linebacker from Rutgers and the defensive end at James Madison so like you know offensive line went to Oregon so it's like a running back from running back and corner at South Carolina both starting right now you got guys who are like going to the NFL and I'm like. I'm on this team and I don't have a single divisional offer, but um, <laughs> that must have been a rather intimidating. I love the seat. Yes and no. I feel like if it wouldn't have been a football setting, if it would have been any other, like if I would have, if I would have been walking into a room, going to a Butler University, around a bunch of people who are going to like Ivy Leagues, where like I'm not the most like book smart and savvy individual, I would be intimidated. But like with football, yeah, like. Uh, it's kind of different and like I go about myself differently when the game of football is it's I have a competitive nature just like every other athlete so like I always feel like I belong if sure. that makes sense yeah of course um, 
But yeah, so then like I go back and I watch the game afterwards um, with the commentators and stuff, and they're like they're like ripping on like the ball states and the Indiana states, and there's like how is this guy on this team and he doesn't have an offer from any of the small schools in Indiana, and so it's just but you know but then Coach Voris and they offered me a roster spot and I took it and I felt like I felt like at home. I'm literally at home, but then they have made a home for me here. So that's great. Nice. Yeah, how how far is the campus from where you grew up? Um, so my mom no longer lives in a childhood home that I grew up in, but my house is, um, a well, eight minute drive. I rode my eight bike. Eight minutes. No way. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm literally down the street from my house. Oh my God. Would you just like live at home? Uh, no, I, I could, but that's the thing. I needed to live at campus. I needed to live yeah. on campus. Uh, I took that upon myself, especially with me trying to figure myself out and discover myself. For I couldn't sure. have home. That wouldn't have been beneficial to me at all. No. Uh, but no, I'm I'm literally down. I mean, my, when my mom moves now, she's 15 minutes away. But oh like my she, god, how do you how do you even manage? Uh, it's but it's nice though because my mom is not one of those individuals who's like she's not gonna pester me about anything. Um, now there's times where I may forget to respond to her text message, and she's like, if you don't text me within the next two hours, I'm going to show up at your house. <laughs> um, but like she doesn't like she lets me have my own space, so yeah, it's that's not, great. It's not an issue at all. That's great. All right. So so then the Butler thing happens, um, mm-hmm. you know, your freshman year sort of walk me through that because, you know, I've talked to some other college football guys on the show before. And that's such an interesting time in sort of a young person's life, I think, especially a young, a young person's life who's trying to figure out their sexuality. And then to dot, you're also a professional, not a professional, a collegiate athlete who has right. that to carry around. There's so much going on. What was your freshman year like? Um, it was kind of crazy. Um, it was also very humbling. So, um, and I, I tell this to the freshmen, the incoming freshmen every year, whenever I get a chance to talk to a couple of them, you know, um, you come from being, um, the big man on campus, um, at your respective high school. Um, and then you step around a group of individuals, no matter what level of, of football they play, they still play, you know, they're, they're on your team. And so now you have a group of individuals who were the big man, the big men on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to approach yourself differently. You have to talk to other people differently. You're not the leader anymore. Well, not to say you can't be a leader as a freshman, but your role is different from what it was six months ago as a, as an athlete. Um, but it was, like I said, it was very humbling um, because I come from it was a it was humbling. And then from a football standpoint and then from a school standpoint, it was a culture shock. Um, Butler is a small school. My first year here, I think there were just as many students here as there are enrolled in my high school. Wow. Uh, um, So, yeah. And so like with that and then it being not being a very diverse university in and of itself kind of threw me off as well. Yeah. Uh, But then. Um, like football was just kind of, it was like, I'm back to square one. I don't know anything. I don't know anyone. And I couldn't run the same play twice in a row if they called it. So it's, it it was, it was a lot going on at once. I felt like, um, I felt like a chicken with my head cut off, Uh, but just like going and doing as I was being told. So, so when, when does your sexuality start to come into play? Are you thinking about that at all? Your, your freshman year of college, are you out to anybody? Are you out to yourself? What, what, where would you stand there? Um, so I had dated a girl, um, my senior year of high school and we broke up like, um, after I had been at school for like a month. And I guess, um, I had always known, um, about my sexuality, but I kind of like, um, just like pushed it away and tried to act as if it didn't exist or it wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there were times where like, it was like, I could just couldn't deny like it being or finding myself like attractive to certain people. Um, and so like at that point I realized I needed to be single again and figure out what I had going on. Um, so I mean, I was sort of out to myself, um, and my mother knew, as they always do. Uh, without, <laughs> that like, comes up almost every episode of this podcast. Yeah, is like, um, well, my mom knew, of course. Yeah, um, but like I hadn't had that conversation with her. Yeah. Um, and I mean, other than that, um, I wasn't really much of anyone that knew. Uh, one of my friends from high school, um, who. Um, we talked um, every once in a while. Um, but other than that, I mean, it was just kind of it was it was very me being very curious, but also me being very cautious in the same point, because I didn't know, excuse me, how people would react. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, are, are you how are you acting out on that? Are you, are you going on dates? Are you what do you are you on apps and stuff? Because um, and then are you are you worried about people seeing you? 
Uh, yeah, so I was go uh, sort of going on dates and being on the apps. I wish I wasn't, but um, it's kind of a culture, you know. Hey, um, um, but it's like I was kind of doing both, um, but not. It was it was me being around individuals who were older than myself and not around my age, so that it wasn't a, I saw him doing this or I saw him doing that, and sure. like it wasn't a questioning thing. But also in the same breath, it was kind of hesitant for me to go on dates or be in public with someone because I'm in the same city I grew up in. Um, so it was hard for me to want to go and do this or that with with anyone because I didn't want to be seen and I didn't want to have to explain myself. Like, I can't go like I mean, obviously, like my high school was really big. Um, and now I go to Butler. I, I can't. And obviously. And then on top of that, me being an athlete, well, I can't. Yeah anywhere without running into someone that i know or that knows me so it's like it made me very hesitant to be one to like to try to come out yeah i mean that's that's sort of what i was alluding to it's like being scared about one of your teammates seeing you and then you know not being in control of your own narrative in terms of telling right. everybody that's got to be yeah. the most terrifying thing of all yeah that i mean i had my fair run-ins with that as well and it's just kind of it's, it was very scary and very frustrating at the same time because i just wanted to like i wanted it to be over not that i wanted to like not taking away from the coming out experience because everyone has their own but i just didn't want it to be a thing anymore if that makes sense yeah of course so what, your teammates would see you in public sometimes no it was like i had people uh this guy who i tried to date i guess kind of at one point um made it a made it a point um of his own to like tell one of my teammates about no me way yeah so um that happened my, i think that might have happened my freshman year um but um at that point in my life yeah at that point in my life i was still deny 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 um and so i did that enough it was only um two of my teammates and they were very oh, individuals yeah i mean yeah i'm not like nullifying it at all but like it's still a big deal but i mean they were quiet individuals so they like didn't say anything or i mean they asked me about it um but i was like no nah, i have no clue who that is oh like oh god uh, um but yeah so that was that was pretty terrifying but um I'm pretty good but i mean I'm, I'm good now obviously yeah so how do you get to the point where you are now where you make the decision to you know not only come out to your teammates but sort of come out publicly uh and do it sort of in a very uh open freeing way how do you make those steps to get to the point where you're coming out to your entire team um so the i started it was the beginning of my so i was always hesitant of my telling people about my sexuality just because with being I don't the sport I play um, is very like macho he man. You got to be like Billy Badass in order to like be good at it. Um, Billy and, Badass. I like that. Yeah. Um, and so I was always hesitant about like telling people because I didn't want people to think that I was lesser of. And that's sadly like the stereotype of a lot of heterosexual men of yeah. gaming is that of they're course, like of less of a man. And that's like not true at all. Um, and so. Um, I was dating a guy um, who I'm friends with now and like we're really good friends and I always appreciative I'm always appreciative of him um, who's um, who was and you know he was out and he was teaching in a local school district um, and we like started talking and then eventually started dating and it was after my um, after my sophomore season um, going into spring ball um, and he kind of always like we always make jokes that he just kind of like drug me out the closet um, <laughs> and it was like not in like uh, he was like telling people about myself but he allowed me to be more comfortable with who I am um, well and you said was he older yeah he but he wasn't that much older that was the first time I had ever dated somebody who was close to my age he's a year and a half, two years older than oh, me, I believe. Okay. When, um, when you said teaching in a district in yeah, my head, I was yes. like, okay, so he's, you know, 55. No, 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 no. He was, he's, he's, I think he's 25 right now, 24 or something like that. Okay. Um, so yeah, we're, we're around the same age. And so, um, with like, you know, I went, um, I was hanging around him and his friends and he was very, always very comfortable with himself. Um, and, uh, that allowed me to like, be comfortable with myself in a sense or be comfortable being around him being himself which like that energy was very um contagious yeah for sure um, so um it got to the point where so i it was february that we were about two months into our relationship and we had an athlete formal um <laughs> which is what we do every year and i just I gasped been, yeah I was contemplating the entire time whether I was going to take him or not. It was either I was going to go and take him or I was not going to go at all. 
um, which is usually my move is just to not go somewhere. That's what I do. I like to sit at home. Um, you and me both. But, yeah. Um, but I was talking to my best friend, um, Alex Lozon, and he was like, he was like, you know, like whatever you choose to do, like you'll make the right decision. Like don't second guess it at all. And I was like, okay. So then I talked to, um, his name is Jake. I talked to Jake about it. Um, and he was like, you know, I'm not going to pressure you to do, um, to do something you're not ready for yet. Um, but you know, whatever you do, I'll support you. And so one of my teammates, who's probably one of my favorite teammates ever, Connor Andrus, played defensive end for us. Um, I, there, he was, he was the first, believe my, the first teammate of mine who I came out to. Um, and because I went to him and I was like, look, I don't know what to do about the whole, the whole formal thing. Um, and you know, he gave me a big hug and he was like, look, dude, he's like one, if, if anybody has any issues with it, then you realize that like how much of a friend they are not to you. Um, and then you can go about the, your situation with them from there. And he was like, I don't right. think. Um, and he was like, don't get me wrong, I get it's a big deal to you, but he was like, I don't even know if people are going to notice. Um, right, right. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's, 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 sorry to cut you off, but it, it, in a situation like that, it's nice to sort of get some perspective because I'm sure you were in your own head thinking that this is about to be, and, and it was, this, right. this huge thing, this big decision, this thing that everybody's going to be talking about. And then right. your buddy's like, dude, like people, people don't care. You're like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it like takes like, you right back down to earth real quick. Yeah, he's like brought me right back down to earth and was like, Duh. he's like, there's gonna be like, I mean, this is a this is an event that every every athlete is invited to, and there's uh, there's 450 or 60 of us that go to Butler. So he's like, look, there's there's gonna be so many people that I don't know if people are actually going to notice. And right. he's like, everybody's gonna have a plus one, and it's, it's gonna be a thousand people in the gym. Like, don't worry about it. So, um, so we went, um, and there was there was nothing that really came up about it. But at that moment, I was like, okay, like I'm super I, not that I'm super comfortable but I'm comfortable enough um, at this point um, with like what's going on and so then we get into spring ball um, and I start telling a couple of my teammates so Connor ended up being um, a captain for us in the fall um, along with um, a few other guys um, and those are the people I went to first because um, leadership trickles down from the top um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I went and told Will Marty, who uh, would eventually be a two-year starter for us at quarterback. I went and told Isaac Newhouse, who was one of our best defensive players my uh, junior year on the field. Um, told um, Ethan Brunhofer, another one of my favorite teammates ever. Um, and then, like, I started telling a few more and more people um, about, like, myself and what was going on. And I, and I never received, like, a negative com- comment on it. It was always... Wow. Um, it was like, you know, we still got your back, um, no matter what you got going on, um, you know, where I'm always here for you. Um, I got, a, I had a couple of teammates who was like, well, first I'd like to apologize for anything that I've ever said, if I've ever made you feel uncomfortable. Wow. Um, so like, it was like, it was very shocking to me. And I, like, and I sent, and I sent those text messages, um, like, and I, cause I, I couldn't, I still couldn't get myself to say it. Um, yeah. I was just it was just so easy for me to send it via text. Oh, for sure. Um, and um, it was just like, and so I started telling a few more people and, and I would always tell them, I always say, Hey, look, like I'm not going to be mad at, I always, I told them cause it made it easier for me. I was like, look, if, you know, I knew that if I told Ethan that he would tell Chris, who's his best friend and not, and, and I appreciate that because then it's like, it's less people who like, I feel like I have to go tell. You employed um, the telephone game to yeah, come out. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, so then I was, I, I was at that point I was content. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm all right with what's going on. And then, uh, Carly Dressler, who was one, our, um, compliance officer, um, who's now at North Carolina. Um, she was, she had been by my side the entire time. Um, so she was probably the first person in that Butler athletics that I came out to. Mm-hmm. Um, my first teammate was Connor, but, um, she told me that she suggested that, I told Coach Vorce, um, just so that he wasn't blindsided by anything. Um, and that was one of the most nerve wracking things ever because my teammates reacting negatively to it. Like if I had told a couple teammates and they'd have been like, it'd have been bad, then I would have been able to get over it. Um, and, and, and at least you hope that you have, if you have two bad apples in the bunch, you hope everybody else on the team is at least cool. Like you could probably deal with, with two right. teammates who are, who are right. not so cool, but your, your head coach exactly. is another story. Right. And then plus I knew going into it, like, I mean, we usually have 110 guys on the team. There's no like anybody like 
like I, there's 110 guys on the team. I can't I can't please everyone. Like yeah. I'm not gonna not everybody's gonna be uh, gung ho about my situation or what's going on. So like and I knew that, um, but to get it to but to get that approval from the the guys who essentially if push come to show they'd be the first couple guys i picked to go get in a fight with like i'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm all right like i'm okay with that um so i went um and i i went and i went to go tell coach day first actually um who was my um my position coach at the time um well, who's still my position coach um and you know he was like you know he had been he had coached a few different places and he's like Look, man, he's like, you're, you would never be the first. He's like, not not to take away from him, but you're not going to be the first or the last football player that's ever going to be gay. He's like, you know, but it takes a lot um, from you as a man to tell me that. And at that point, Coach Day had on, had only been on staff for two months. Mm-hmm. Um, he had came in. Um, but he and I had a connection, like, from the very beginning. Um, you know, he's always been very supportive of me and everything that I've had going on. Um, so, um so like with that, you know, he told me, you know, he gave me the confidence to say, look, you're going to go tell Coach Voris. Like, and Coach Day also played at Butler, and he played for Coach Voris, so he mm-hmm. understands where we're coming from as players. A lot of times, he's like, you know, that Coach Voris, and uh, I agree with him. Is probably one of the best men I've ever been around in my life. Um, he's um, he's great to us as players. He does exactly what you know we need him to do, um, and he. Um, expects a lot out of us um, and with that I mean it's kind of hard not to perform for a guy like that um, so sure. um, I went and I talked to him did um, you th- did you think about just uh, shooting him a text too I did honestly <laughs> uh, and, and Carly was like no you have to go talk to him in person and I was like Ugh. I was like I kind of rolled my eyes like I always do and I was like Carly but I don't want to and she's like but you have to um, and she was right you know you don't with with people who are my peers are different than in being someone who's um, the adult in the situation. Um, I have to go. Yeah. I have to go face that fear. Um, and, like, hey, and, coach, uh, I'm gay. Like winky yeah. face emoji. Like, right. See, <laughs> exactly. See your practice. Uh, yeah. See your practice tomorrow. Um, but um, I went up and I talked to him, um, and he was like, "Look, he's like, I, I would have been surprised. He's like, you're the first, but he's, like, I'd have been surprised if I had coached this game for 20 years and never had not one." Uh, individual who was gay but you are the first person to come and tell me and he was like you know what do you want to do from here like you know you know we you know we always got your back um and I was like kind of content I had all the all the leaders on the team on my side um I had a couple of my guys who were like my best friends who knew um and then um I had my position coach and my head coach both who controlled my playing time and both told me that hey everything's gonna be a-okay yeah, so you're good I, yeah, I was good in my mind. Um, and so um, I was just kind of thought everything would be okay. So a couple of days later, um, this is probably one of my favorite stories from being up at Butler. Um, so I'm in our locker room. It's kind of a lot of the bigger, like bigger program locker rooms now is just kind of like all the lockers on the outside. And then there's like a lot of space in the middle. Yes. Um, yeah. So with, with ours, it's kind of like there's a divide down the middle and there's lock, there's like four sets of lockers. There's a locker set on each side of the divide and then a locker set on each side of the wall. Um, so I'm at my locker um, and like the individuals who are on the other side of the the divider, they obviously like they don't know that I'm there. Um, and I heard one. I don't remember. I gasped I can't, again. I, 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 this is the first two gasp episode of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm sitting in the locker room um, and like they don't obviously they don't I have no clue that I'm there because um, I hadn't like usually when I walk into the locker room I like I'm yelling or screaming or something so people know I'm there but um, for some odd reason and probably for this specific reason I didn't um, eventually um, and so I heard somebody go do we have to go lift tomorrow or something 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 that's so gay and one of my teammates was like dude you can't say that and I was and I like and I like, sat back and I was like oh this will be really interesting <laughs> You like get your popcorn out. Yeah, no, he was like, dude, you can't say it. He was like, dude, what do you mean I can't say it? Like, you need to relax. I've heard you say it before. So I kind of laughed. And he was like, dude, you can't say that. Like, like, dude, like X is gay. Like, you can't just be running around saying stuff like that. <gasps> and um, he was like, he's like, dude, I had no clue. He was like, well, obviously no one would have a clue. But, like, you just can't say stuff like that. And so, like, I ended up, like, leaving the locker room. Um, a couple minutes later, and I was just like, "Wow!" I was like, "I, I, I can, I can do this." Like, that's I'm amazing. Okay. Yeah, and like you never like don't expect stuff like that out of a lock, out of, especially like in the locker room. 
Um, but then, like, on top of that, from football players sometimes to give us, like, you know, not everybody gives us the benefit of the doubt, but um, oh, sure. just did, I just didn't expect it. Um, and it, like, it made me smile. Um, it made me realize, like, that I was okay. Um, so then I, a couple weeks later, like, I went and told Coach Voris that I wanted to, you know, I, I'd step in front of A couple weeks? Well, yeah, well, it was, well, it that was, because it was at the end of the spring semester, um and so i didn't we weren't going to be back as a team in in its entirety until august so i told him in like may i was like hey like in a couple weeks i mean i was like hey like when we get to camp like i'd like to tell the team but like i'd like to do it on my own terms kind of yeah um and so you know he was okay with that and then i did so wow so yeah i mean it just sounds like and like you said I, i i i your response and your experience it truly doesn't sound like it could have been better but everybody who i've talked to on this podcast thus far knock on wood has has really had a pretty similar experience you know Mm -hmm. and i just think it speaks so strongly to how things have changed and it's it's mostly because of stories like yours the fact that your story is out there you know it it just becomes easier for the next guy because people have have you know icons to sort of look to and and sort of say hey if he did it i can do it and it's the same thing for for straight players too they see somebody like you and it's like hey oh okay he's just like us like there's it's no big deal let's go play and so it's you know your your story just speaks to sort of the greater truth of the podcast i think where it's like if you can come out come out because every experience has been positive and it, it just it makes it easier for the next guy so when right. okay so when you decide to come out to the whole team i know that this is quite a story as well yeah so um so we have we have what we call player panel speeches um every year in camp so throughout throughout football camp um there's we have different meetings with different people on um on a nightly basis uh people from sid come talk compliance come talk um, people from our athletic director or assistant athletic director, excuse me, um, will come talk to us, the nutrition staff, sports psychologists. So then nights where we don't have a speaker, we do player panels. Um, okay. And so they pick a couple guys um, to go every night, and it's always an upperclassman. Um, and um, it was the first night. It was like day three of camp. So I'm like, first of all, why are we having player panel speeches? It's day three. Like, we should have a speaker. Mm-hmm. And it's the first night of player panel speeches. And Coach Cheshire, they always give us a form. Um, it's kind of like something. It's just a guideline to, like, what you're going to talk about. Um, and so he hands me the form before morning practice. Um, and it's like, hey, you're going tonight. And I was like, uh, uh what? Uh, he was like, and I like, now I'm getting butterflies in my stomach just thinking about it. But oh my god, um, he was like, I was like, he was like, I could take it back. And I was like, no, 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 uh, I'll do it, I'll do it. Um, Wait, so he go. he gave that to you with the intention of you coming out to the team. Yeah, so like at that point, coach, I, I guess I skipped over this. So coach Voris had asked had asked me in the summer um, if it was okay if he told the coaching staff, and I was like, oh yeah, that's fine, because I'm like. I don't really know if and when I'm like gonna see them besides camp and even when we're in and around the season half the time I like I don't see our offensive coordinator half the time until like it's game day or like Thursday practice yeah, like he's sure. in meetings and stuff so like I was like yeah that's fine and so coach Cheshire had known um well, coach Cheshire um who his brother is actually gay um and so he and I have like developed a relationship over the past couple of years he's also the same coach that went with me um, to the Vikings, um, the Vikings LGBTQ summit. Um, yeah, so, I know. I want to ask um, you about that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so like Coach Cheshire and I have developed a relationship um, for over the past couple of years, and we're really close now. Um, but so, yeah, he handed me the paper, and I was like, "Crap!" Like I'm going tonight. So then, um, so Berto, Chad Berto went first, who played D tackle for us, and then Sam Schrader went second. Um, and when Coach Woods called my name down, and I think there had been the majority at that point. Um, besides the freshmen, um, obviously none of them had known, um, unless well, they're like mentors had told them, but I assume they didn't, but none of them had known. I think probably I had told at that point, like maybe 25, 30% of the team. And I would assume that about 50% of the team had known, um, just yeah, because yeah. of word of mouth. Um, and so like, you know, I was explaining my story about like growing up and getting recruited and kind of like much like our conversation here and. Um, about like, you know, what I bring to the team and, you know, what my goals and my aspirations are for the year, personal and with team wise. 
Um, and like, God, I'm like, I don't know why I'm getting nervous right here talking about it, but it's um, a big. I, I, I mean, I'm getting nervous for you. Just the the whole process of that, not knowing that you're yeah. about to do this, but maybe yeah. that's the best way to find out. Like, you weren't able to really psych yourself out. You found out what, like, I'm the morning of, right? Yeah. So yeah, there was exactly. no there was like, no time for you to freak out. No, not at all. Like I like I remember like getting a paper. Um, and at that point, um, because that was yeah, I was. That was fall 2017. Yeah, so at, the, at that point, I was like, I had, Jake and I had been broken up, and I was, like, starting to, like, see someone new. Um, and I was, like, texting, like, don't, don't this sounds weird, but like, I was texting both, like, I'm, like, extremely nervous about, like, what's about to happen, because, like, like, uh, like all my life, I in this moment, I've been, like, I've been scared that it's just going to be, like, a riot, and, like, I don't know what to do, and, like, they, like, both, like, calmed me down, like, kept me, like, on, like, get me even kill. Um, yeah. and so, um, you know, I walked up and I was explaining everything. Um, and then I said, you know, I was like, uh, never like in my life and especially in front of a group of individuals who are not like myself, have I ever felt like I've had to come out? Cause like you, either I was around like some of my, cause at that point I had developed some gay friends and like I had been around people who were part of the LGBT community. Um, and so I was like, I, like I'm either in a situation where people assume about who I am and like, I don't want to have to do that anymore. Yeah. Um, and like I took a deep breath and like looked around the room and I was like I'm gay um, and like I, like my heart was like racing um, and I was just like I was just like and it was like the room was quiet like fell completely silent oh I mean it God. was it was silent it was silent as I was talking anyway no but sure I sure felt like I just felt like it got even more quiet when I said that oh. um, and like there was like there was no reaction. Um, I like there were certain individuals who I knew didn't know who like I I looked at yeah um, yeah yeah to see like how they would react or people I hadn't told yet to see like how they would react um and there was like nothing it was just kind of like I, just, I like I had the room like and wow uh and like and I kept going and like I explained stuff and I was talking about um, my relationships like you know with with my parents and explaining you know this or that or the trials and tribulations I had been through for the past you know at that point it was going on three years I had been there and it was um you know I wrapped it up and like you know the the they stood up and like they gave me a standing ovation I had a couple my, my coach gave me a hug and like and like I had a couple of my teammates who were like the guys on the team like you know they came up and gave me a hug and I was just like I was like I, I did it and like that's that um and that's such an amazing story did you i mean so did you feel just a huge sense of relief like when you the next morning you woke up did you feel like a different person yes uh not 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 even the next morning like going through the meetings like i feel like after i said it i just felt like i felt like i was like 110 pounds and i could run a 4 240 right now (laughs) i was like let's go and so as i was like I, i mean i've never there's not been many times in my life where I felt like that. Um, and I honestly don't know if there's ever been a time where I felt like that. Um, and I just was like, so I was just like super excited. Like the fact that, you know, I got to be myself and like, you know, as I was coming out and then that year, like I was my best football I had ever played. Yeah, Um, of course. So it's like, at that point, like I'm, I'm like I'm my personal life at that point was doing was doing fine and then I was doing fine mentally and like like I, my football was just like at its a game so well yeah I mean I I think once you you sort of reconcile so much stuff personally like you right. your head must have just been so much clearer on the field right I mean like you didn't have to worry about all this stuff anymore all you had to worry about was football and, and like you said I mean as a competitive guy you probably aren't thinking that much about there or out there about anything else but you know even subconsciously I mean it, it must right. have been weighing on you so to just be out there completely free I mean right. it, it has to just be the best feeling in the world oh, 100% Oh, that's amazing. I mean, hearing that story, I don't, you know, I don't know if that story gets told even five years ago. It certainly doesn't get told 20, you know, it's certainly probably not 10. Uh, But it's just, you know, like I said, it it just goes to show how much progress has been made because of people like you. So it's, it's really great. So, so going into, you know, what you've sort of been doing now, I mean, not only are you this, you know, college athlete, you've, you've really become sort of the face of a, a certain sector of LGBTQ sports. Can you talk about the, the thing that you did with the Vikings? 
Yeah, so um, so Sevitas was the company that ran it, um, but the Vikings hosted an LGBT inclusion summit, uh, which had a number of athletes um, who played um, played women's soccer. Um, I'm, I can't remember all all I names. I think Eric but, was there, right? Eric Lucia yes. was there. Yeah, yeah he was. on. Yeah, he's been on here. Yes, um, Eric was there. Um, I'm trying to think of who else was there. Um, I, I I can't remember everyone. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you're familiar with Nevin Capel. Um, who runs LGBT sports safe sports yes. safe with yeah, um, Eric? Yeah. Um, so like there was a number of people there. The NCAA individuals from representatives from the NCAA were there. Um, Sam Rappaport, um, who works in the NFL office, she was there. Yep. Um, so there was a lot of people there. But my um, my topic and my panel was about how coaches um, and administrators um, affect the um, the student athlete. Um, so I mean, we were up there for about an hour, and Nevin ran our. Um, Nevin, it was Nevin who ran the panel, um, and then it was Stephanie White who is the um, head women's basketball coach at Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. uh, and then it was myself and Coach Cheshire. Um, and so you know, it was uh, it was good conversation. It was something that I I feel like people in the room definitely needed to hear. Um, and I wish that there were individuals in the room who weren't necessarily just in the uh, who weren't familiar with the. Um, the LGBT community on an everyday basis. Sure. Uh, I mean, there were representatives from a from a, a handful of teams. Um, like you know, I wish there would have been some from some other college coaches or some other college administrators there. Because I mean, the the messages that were spoken about throughout the entire day were incredible. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I think we're ge- we're getting there. You know, I, I hope yes. that these events become uh, just you know, more frequent. And I think the mm-hmm. representation from pro sports leagues and, and from elite colleges is just going to keep growing. So it's, I mean, er- everything about that event looked great. So I'm, I'm thrilled right. that you were able to participate in it. So, mm-hmm. so when you look at your future, I mean, what are your, what are your short-term goals here, uh, uh football wise? And then, you know, also sort of long-term, where do you see yourself, uh, yes. you know, in the next five? So right now, uh, I have, um, um, right now, I have decided that I'm not going to come back for my last year eligibility. Um, I did redshirt my freshman year, um, but um, I think that I am ready for life after football. Um, I'm currently applying to grad schools um, and some GA programs and positions So um, in different places. Um, I'd, like I said, I'd like to get out of Indy. So um, <laughs> I'm applying to a lot of places and a lot of different schools. Um, but with that, um, I'm also applying for jobs. Um, I have a dream. I have dreamed about going to University of Texas in Austin since I was a kid. My bed sheets uh, when I was uh, eight or nine years old were burnt orange. Wow, um, wow, wow, wow. And yeah, so I've I've been wanting to do that for a really long time. So I actually submitted my applications for the sports administration program today. Nice. Um, I'm I'm praying that I get in. Um, and from there, you know, I would hope that I can get a GA spot or if I can get um some type of grad assistantship in the in the rec department something um to get me there and help me pay for school a little bit um but then uh, yeah I've, I've always wanted to live in texas so that's kind of my that's kind of my dream my goals in the next like couple years um and i'll do that for a while but then eventually um i have a couple uh my, my own like business plans and stuff i want to do i really would love to be an athletic director um i told myself for a really long time I wanted to like be in the NFL and then I had the realization that if I wanted to be in the NFL I'd have to work in the NFL mm, um, yeah. but then I realized about about um, around Halloween actually because I was with um, the NCAA with their whole common ground initiative um, I realized that there was so much power in being a college athletic administrator sure um, and if and like and being a positive effect um, and role model on the lives of young people because then I thought back to how many people um, here at Butler, like Coach Voris and Coach Day, uh, Sonia Hopkins and Carly Dressler, like people, individuals like that who have been like so grateful, f- uh, whose whose relationships with me I've been so grateful for. Um, so I decided that I think I want to do that um, in some some aspect, be an athletic director, whether it's the athletic director of marketing or external affairs, or if it's being the athletic director at a Power Five school. That's kind of my eventual goals and dreams. But then I also uh, I love to cook, so I want to run my own restaurant one day. Oh my god, yes! And I also want to open a gay bar. So. How are you going to have all this time? This is my I'll question go. for you. You've I listed have. off eight hundred things you want to do. I mean, not that I don't believe in you, but I mean, I'm tired. 
Um, I am much like every other individual in my family. I bite off more than I can chew, but then the food eventually goes down. So no pun intended, Mr. <laughs> Chef. What do you like to cook? Um, just about everything. So I think the the kitchen is I tell people all the time, like all my teammates are like, dude, I have no clue how to cook. It's like, dude, you have to be willing you have to be willing and able to be okay with like making a mistake or making something nasty you have to experiment like and you won't ever know like what's good or what's bad until you experiment um so i i i'm trying to think um like what's your go-to what's what's the best thing you make (sighs) the best thing i'll make um probably my teammates would probably say chicken parm um I don't even know. It's like I, I cook just about everything. Um, can I tell you? Can I tell you a secret that I have not yeah. revealed on this podcast? And you're what? probably gonna hang up. Oh my god! Don't tell me you don't like chicken parm. It's not that I. It's not even that I don't like chicken parm, Xavier. Um, I am vegan. Really? Yes. I okay. So respect to you because it's really healthy. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. But I could never. It's, yeah, it's, I didn't think that I could either. I was vegetarian for a long time. I, like, started becoming vegetarian my freshman year of college, you know, as part of the new me. Um, mm-hmm. And so I did that for a long time. So how I'm 30 now. Oh, my God. Um, so I became vegan pr- probably about f- five years ago maybe five or six years ago. So I did vegetarian for a while, sort of like, you know, tested the waters for a while that even that was a little difficult, but also like I was in college when I was doing it. And you know, there's just so much food available. Like when I'm living in the dorms, it was insane. So there was always stuff I could eat, but then I sort of learned to cook and I love to cook now too, but vegan, I I didn't think that I'd be able to do it, but now it's something I don't really even think about. And it's a lot easier in L.A., obviously. Yes, I literally was going to say that. Like, being in Indiana, like, if the only thing you can really eat is corn. So, (laughs) like, SOL with what you want to eat. like I love corn. That's fine. I'll eat corn for every meal. But I, like, it is true. I, I forget how easy it is here because, I mean, even just the specialty grocery stores and every restaurant has something vegan. There are so many vegan restaurants themselves. Like when I was, uh, one of the last times I was back in Michigan, I like went out to breakfast with my grandpa and there was literally nothing on the menu that I could eat. And so Uh it's like, I'm like, Oh man, I forget that this isn't as easy outside of my stupid little LA bubble. But I do, I encourage, like I'm the, I'm also, I'm the most unhealthy vegan in the world. Like I don't, like no i really am like in terms of like i don't supplement like protein very well like i don't i just sort of like cut all this stuff out and like oh well let's see what happens um and it's been okay but i i I do love to cook uh my myself so you know maybe we can swap some well i say swap recipes i don't want to cook any chicken parm i'm so sorry but I'll, i'll get you on the vegan train is what i'm saying well, I I will try it reluctantly. I but can just imagine it. I mean, a hundred college football players eating a vegan dinner. I mean, they would be thrilled. We'll see. <laughs> It'd be great. What? Okay. What is your What is your gay bar going to be like? Because hey, this is going to be a controversial take on this podcast. Most of them suck. Yeah, a lot of them do suck, and I don't see. I want to reveal, but then I don't because then if someone steals my idea, I'm gonna be really upset. Is it gonna uh, be like a gay sports bar? Because I have thoughts on that. I I have so like I have had I have two like kind of things like the two ways I've kind of thought about going about my my gay bar. Um, one would be a gay sports bar, but I would have to do that in a city that is not Indianapolis um, because of. I, I just because of the you know this is a this is a this is a red state which not knocking anyone's political affiliations. No, but, we can so. definitely knock people's political affiliations. Yes, um, but we're, we just we won't do it today. We'll, okay, we'll say fine. Take the high um, road. Well, hold on. Uh, I will say yeah. though, I will say that a gay sports bar recently opened up in Detroit. Um, really? Yes, I have not been because it just opened fairly recently. I think within the past. Right year or two i haven't been and if it had been there when i was living in detroit i would have been there all the time it's like right yeah. downtown but i think okay. it's doing pretty well so i think i think that spaces like that can exist in uh you know maybe less traditional places 
Right. So like it would have to be I feel like if I did that, it would have to be a place like uh, like in Austin um, or like a um, like in Orlando um, or in L.A. possibly. But it just be it would be so expensive to uptake in L.A. that I would have to charge thirty dollars for a beer. So it just it would be rough. Well, please don't do uh, that. I mean, the, the uh, thing uh, the thing about it is there are like two gay sports bars in L.A., like in specifically in West Hollywood. Um uh-huh. One is okay. Okay. The other one is not. And both of them, I just want more for both of them. Because, like, when I hear gay sports bar, I I want it to be a gay sports bar. Like, I want, like, I want there to be, like, games on. (laughs) And, like, in these places, there aren't. (laughs) So, if, you know, if you know the individuals who run those bars and they need someone to help them with their marketing or they need someone to help them with their reestablishment, like you can tell them to hire me because I will more than. Oh, yeah. This, the sway that I have in this town yeah. is yeah. Yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll get them on. I'll call them right after we're done and hey. I'll give them your info. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like I've thought about going about a different way. So like if I open a gay sports bar, I wouldn't do the restaurant because with it being a sports bar, I would have food. So I would do my restaurant through that. That seems like the uh, way to um, go. Yes. But then I also thought about like uh, like uh, more like a gay club, not a gay bar, I guess I should say. Yeah, um, you did say you did say gay with, you did say gay club, didn't you? Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah. So like I I know I might have said bar. I might have said bar. No, but I think you said club. I, I, but I wanted the to open. I want it to be as like more like more of a club because I sure. want it to be an atmosphere of drinking and dancing and like. Um, I and drink and dance in bars. Yeah. That's true. But that's but, just me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not supposed to, but I do. Um, but yeah, but see, like in indie, like the two, the two, I. I don't know if they're gays. Or I don't know if their bars are the clubs, so we call them homosexual establishments. <laughs> sure. Um, and we don't really know because like they're hard to tell because they're so small. But then, like, they're decent yeah. enough size in the same breath that, like, there's, like, like there's a bar. Um, yeah. Uh, and, like, there's kind of, like, a, a dance floor. And it's kind of, like, why? We need something better than this. I know. Uh, yeah. There's a place in Royal Oak, Michigan uh, mm-hmm. that I used to go to all the time that is probably very similar. Like, it is – it's a space that you're happy exists because it's important to have a place like that. Um, right. But you also just want it to be so much better. <laughs> yes. Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen. I'm excited about all this. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to make another trip. No. Well, you want to do it in Austin? I've only been to Austin once. I really liked Austin. Yeah. I I've been. I don't. I think I've been to Austin when I was younger, but I honestly don't remember. Um. But I have heard nothing but great things from anyone who has ever lived or gone. What do you so, have against uh Los Angeles? Um. Unless I can find a G A spot that is going to pay me more than a thousand dollars a month as a stipend it's going to be awfully hard unless i can bum on your couch for two years <laughs> it's going to be extremely hard for me to find somewhere to live for that cheap well let me talk to my roommate and see what he said okay okay i'm fine with it I, people sleep on this couch all the time I'm, I'm i'm currently in my apartment sitting on said couch so oh it's pretty comfortable mm-hmm. whatever yeah come stay whatever okay. week two years who cares <laughs> Don't tempt me. It'll be great. Uh, All right. Well, I'm going to let you go because you need to study for your final on Friday. If you say so. Uh, Yes, I do. You need to study and you need to uh, do well. And then you can, uh, you know, have every opportunity in the world to make all the money you want and not have to sleep on my couch. That's fair. So this is really I'm invested in this, too, now. Um, (laughs) uh, All right, man. Well, thank you uh, very much for the time. I really appreciate it. Your story is awesome and is going to inspire so many people. And I'm happy we uh, got to host it here. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Good luck on Friday. Thank you. And there it is, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you most of all to Xavier for the time. You know, at the top of the show, I sort of mentioned that he's a linebacker at Butler. As you just heard Xavier say, he's no longer going to be there. I wanted to let him sort of tell that story on his own. Uh, And I'm really excited about what he's going to do. You know, whether or not the two of us open a gay sports bar club together that also has awesome food. uh, That's in the cards. It's TBD. 
uh, I will provide updates as they come. But again, thank you for listening. Thank you to Xavier for the time. Until next time, same team, Daniel Trainer signing off. Goodbye. <laughs>